Welcome to the All Digital AM podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on the All Digital AM YouTube channel. Hi, everybody. My name is Adam Penna, and I'm here to continue the conversation of 3D printing and additive manufacturing. And today, my guest is Byron Kennedy, who's coming to us from Speed 3D. He is the CEO of Speed 3D. So welcome, Byron. Yeah, good morning or good, good afternoon, depending on which part of the world. It's morning over here in Australia and, and late in the U.S. So. Yeah, yeah. You see, it's, it's awesome. You're joining me from Australia today. So thank you very much for getting up in the morning and doing this. Yeah, it is uh, in the afternoon over here in Austin, Texas. So big difference in the time zone there. But uh, happy to actually meet up and do this with you. So thanks for being here. Yeah, no, no problems. Yeah, so I know in general, I, with Speed 3D having the, the advanced cold spray technology, there's been a lot of excitement around it. And I know for myself, over the years, I've gone to you know the live trade shows, which now everything is, is more virtual and mostly virtual. But uh, it was always exciting to see what was happening at the trade shows with Speed 3D as far as you know, the booth had a lot of excitement around it and the machine was always there. And every time I saw it, it was running and there was something cool going on. So just um, around that, it really pulled in my interest. And of course, me coming from the more of the FDM and, and laser background and then seeing what this technology could do. I've been familiar with cold spray, but it looks obviously you're doing it a bit different. It looks a little bit inverted to me. And there's a lot of different things happening that aren't happening in the normal situation. So, I mean, talk a little bit about that. I know it says it's supersonic 3D disposition incorporating production ready robotics. So that's huge. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, so let me talk to, I think the important thing is to talk about our background and, and where we're coming from. So, sure. you know, as a as a company, um, you know, we, we sat down and we thought, what do we want to do as a company? And we, our, our real you know, passion is to make manufacturing easier. And, and that's really what we want to do as a business here. So our background, so myself, uh, I'm one of the founders with Steve, and our background was in manufacturing of electric motors or design and manufacturing of electric motors. So we, we previously had a company which was developing electric motors spun out of a university, and these were a high-efficiency electric motor, um, small lighter, all of that sort of stuff. Um, that company got purchased by a large US electric motor company, and we worked in manufacturing for around 10 years. And so we took that uh, technology all the way through from um, university idea all the way through to full production, so manufacturing lines in in uh, Thailand, in, in Mexico, all, all around the world for that technology, and it was very successful. So um, so what we did is we learned a lot about manufacturing, and the journey of a manufacturer is tough. There's not many people out there which are helping manufacturing. You know, you've always got someone beating on you as a manufacturer. You know, why is my quality poor? Why is my delivery time long? Why is my cost um, expensive? Um, so when we set this company up, it was all about, you know, how do we make manufacturing easier and, and really help manufacturers. Um, so, so that's where all of our design philosophies and concepts come from, is really from the manufacturing background. Uh, you know, 3D printing is primarily a prototyping tool. There's, you know, a few niche examples of, of interproduction, but in the reality, in reality, 3D printing is still heavily a, a, a prototyping tool. And, um, and our vision is really to then take that into the manufacturing space, as, as the vision of, of many, many 3D printing companies, of course. So, so we're not alone there. The, the difference is we've done it before in manufacturing. So we really know the pain points and the pressure points that manufacturers uh, face 
on a day-to-day basis. And, and therefore, when we set the company up, we we were looking for a we, – we saw this 3D printing company, uh, this 3D printing technology coming when we were part of the motor company. Uh, but the reality is, um, you know, in a, in a high-volume production environment, the laser technology is, is just way too expensive and too slow. Um, and there's some physics involved in that, and, and you just can't fix it. Um, so it's always going to be expensive and slow, and therefore um, that led us to the conclusion that no matter what you do um, in a commodity manufacturing space, you, you have to do something different rather than the laser technologies. So we came across this cold spray technology, which was a primarily a repair technology used by the US military in, um, in repairing gearboxes, repairing parts for the B-52 bombers. There's all sorts of interesting applications. Sure. And what attracted us to that was that it was fast and, and potentially very low cost. And, and so that was the founding of the, the company in terms of the technologies, right? Right. We knew we had a technology which would deliver for manufacturing. Um, what cold spray lacked was the software. So you can buy a gun from various suppliers worldwide now and, and spray metal, no, no problems. If you want to actually build the parts, however, that was a very different proposition. And, and no one had developed the, uh, let's call it the slicing software. Um, it's, it's not, it's not a traditional slicing package, but, um, everyone understands that terminology. So, so we had to then develop very specialized slicing technology that would enable, enable companies will enable us to take this cold spray pattern that it sprays and turn that into the parts. So, so that was really the challenge that we took, took on board. We, you know, we're into, we're essentially integrating known technologies, um, which is cold spray robotics, and, um, and then adding a high, very, very sophisticated algorithms on top to be able to build the parts. And that's where, um, and, and then on top of that is our manufacturing knowledge and saying, how are we going to take this into the manufacturing space? And that's why when the printer actually came out, it, it's, it's somewhat inverted, as, as you talked about, you know, it's where we have the robotic, um, we have a nozzle which is spraying upwards, uh, we have the robotic arm on the top, and the parts are actually building downwards. So it's all, uh, let's say, anti-gravity in one way. It's working gravity. But the reason that we did it like that is if you build the parts on the end of a robot arm, then that robot arm can automatically um, transfer that out of the printer into a transfer tool, which will then take them to CNC machining. Right. So that's There's the production why... Line we have built the parts on the end of the robot arm to make it easy for manufacturing. So it's a very long way to say why, you know, why is the design like it is, is, is really about manufacturing. No, it's genius. It cuts so much time there because that's where the part has to end up. So why not keep it where it's going to go and move it on to the next process? That's really neat. And I've seen, you know, you talked about the software in there and I see that really right now in the 3D printing industry is, is kind of the next wave of what can happen. You know, uh, all these, uh, these machines are starting to communicate. Different softwares are starting to be able to control things much better and, and tie that into industrialization. But with that process, it, it just must be amazing what happens because the, the robot arm is essentially coming at it from every access, every angle possible, dependent upon the part that you're trying to build. And so when you talk about speed and the amount of time it takes to do something like that, 
that's just incredible what that software can do. So talk a little bit more about that software. What exactly is happening there? Yeah, so so really what we're doing, so the, how the technology actually works, so we have a nozzle, a fixed nozzle, and that sprays metal powder upwards at supersonic speed, so about uh, 1,000 metres a second. Mm-hmm. When it hits a surface, it then sticks. So if you can then control where those particles hit or where that powder hits, you can build those parts. And what we do to control that, um, that we, we have a plate, so you start with a plate on the end of a robot arm, the, the metal powder hits the plate and then builds up. So we chose to put that on the end of a robot arm. There's various other ways you could move that plate around, but for us, a robot arm was cheap and low cost and easy to, to, to access and also gave us six degrees of freedom. So it's a, a six-axis robot, standard six-axis robot, and it gives us lots of flexibility in terms of manoeuvring that, that plate to be able to build the parts. So we can build parts uh, with, without support structure up to about 45 degrees without support. Um, but even even then, um, there are more sophisticated ways to be able to build uh, parts with, with even um, greater overhangs by, by reorientating them. The other really interesting thing about that is we're not limited to just being a 3D printer. So what I mean by that is you could actually also load in existing parts. So, um, sure. so for example, you won't be able to see it, but, you know, we've got things like door handles here and nice. we can load um, standard door handles onto the robot and then coat them. So we developed activated copper earlier this year, which which was all about um, killing viruses and bacteria, which was you know, yeah, I saw that. In, what was that? The, the activate 3D is that the copper that yeah 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 activated copper. So so what that was is copper has a known property that it will kill bacteria and virus upon touch. So if you've got a bacteria or virus on your fingers, for instance, say you sneeze into your hand. And, and you have a, a flu or, or even COVID. Um, and, and then you touch a door Thanks handle, for instance, because you've got to open the door. You will then transfer that virus onto the door handle. Mm. Now, what we proved was that, um, copper or the activated copper would kill the, the COVID-19 virus in under two hours. It's also, um, uh, kills, um, standard bacteria and viruses. Um, MRSA superbugs, influenza A, et cetera. So, yeah. so the question then comes, why don't we use copper everywhere? Well, interestingly, about 50 years ago or 100 years ago, copper was very, very common in, um, in uh, hospitals. So, um, and that's why you see things like brass handles um, or, or bronze handles because brass and bronze is a high content of copper. And, and the reason is it would then kill bacteria and viruses. Now, we've sort of lost that knowledge in the last 100 years, um, probably due to the invention of um, antibiotics and those sorts of things. So people thought, right, now I've got an antibiotic, I don't need to use copper, so I'll go to a much cheaper material such as stainless steel. So what we're really doing is bringing back a technology that our um, grandparents used to know about. Um, and, and the beauty about this is we can put a layer of copper onto an existing part that is, you know, half a millimetre thick or, or quite, quite thin. And the reason for why that's important is it's much more economical to 
put um, half a millimetre of copper onto a part rather than build that part out of pure copper. Sure, so, it's a cost, yeah, big it time. Is, it is, yeah. And that's the beauty about having this inverted design with this robotic arm. We now have a printer which can print parts, uh, number one. Two, can coat parts, and, and you can coat copper, you can coat aluminium, you can coat whatever you want. Um, and third, which we're releasing this year, is um, repair. So um, so one of the applications customers have been talking about is being able to mount yeah. an existing part, and, and especially for, for heavy industrial applications such as a defence, a rail, oil and gas, you know, they, they have expensive parts and they may have some pitting corrosion or, or other sorts of things. So can you repair that? And, yes, you can. You know, you can mount parts on the end of the robot and what we're doing now is also integrating a 3D scanner. So you can scan that part. It'll automatically um, find where the repair is, compare that to the original file, generate the repair file, and automatically scan that. So, so that's for release this year. Yeah, that's that goes back to a lot of my past. I was you know working with a Faro and Creaform when a lot of the uh, you know the measurement devices were actually taking on scanners, and then also incorporating that into people who had the old you know printers out there back then. It was like object things like that, mm-hmm. and that was always the question: is that they wanted to know how they could repair a lot of parts instead of replace them. That was a, that was a lot probably about I'd say close to half the conversations that I got into, and things weren't just there yet. You know, um, you know so. To see that happening now with with this technology is exciting. That's really cool. Yeah, we've we've been developing that for about two years, so it is um, challenging. Yes, you know the scanning technology is you know a little bit three D printing wise. You know people hype it up to be able to you know you put it in and you scan and and you get the part out. Well, look, it's it's not like that. Middle Uh, steps, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some middle steps in there. So, and and that's what we've been working out for with one of the universities here for about the last two years in developing that technology. But but certainly now with the the product we have, you know, you can mount that existing part on the robot arm um, and you can control that robot arm quite accurately. And so when, when, when we know where the robot arms are and we do a scan, we can then automatically stitch together all the files to create a watertight mesh. So that's really what we've been developing um, over the last couple of years and will be released this year. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. I know looking at any kind of deviation analysis, and especially you're talking about basically, well, I guess it's not totally a closed loop, but it's looking at something that is existing and telling it where it should be and taking that that data and and then making it into something you're now building on the fly. Is that what I'm hearing? That's that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That really is beautiful. And I know that that lends itself well to the defense industry and, and, and plenty of other industries. I had... I saw a recent article. Well, it's an article actually that came out in August, uh, where you were working with Phillips Federal and in, in doing something with them at, at the arsenal over there. Uh, how how is that that marriage going? And there's a lot of stuff going on with defense. Uh, where was that developed, and where do you see that progressing? Yeah, defense is one of our key areas um, for for this year. Um, you know, primarily, you know, interestingly, the you know the COVID situation has changed the macroeconomic conditions. There's, there's no doubt about that. What we've seen in a global sense is that, um, you know, roughly speaking, commercial customers are much more um, hesitant to, to spend money at the pre- present where, you know, defence is really ramping up. 
So that's been a marriage in heaven for us. So we've done a lot of work um, with the Australian Army, for instance, um, in proving out what we call is expeditionary 3D printing. So what expeditionary 3D printing is, is printing on the front line. So the challenge for defence is one of logistics. So the if yeah. you're in Afghanistan or, or wherever you may be and you break a, a part, um, and I'll give you some examples of some of the work we've done, um, and, and not when the, the Australian Army have done over 50 case studies. We, we can't talk about them all, of course. But, you know, some of the parts were um, um, hinges for um, um, bulk fuel modules. So what they have in the Army is a fuel truck, which is used, of course, to fuel up their other um, uh, vehicles. And um, there is a manual priming element in the, in the, fuel, the fuel pumps. Um, and what they're finding is they had this hinge which was breaking. So what happens if the hinge breaks is then you can't um, you can't refuel your other vehicles. Uh, yeah, big, big problem. That's a big, big problem. problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So and this is not an inexpensive part. It's not a complex part. Interestingly, it's a uh, you know a fifty dollar part um, which is a hinge. But um, to actually replace that part is a very, very difficult concept. So, you know, they've got to be able to bring that back in from, from headquarters or base or something like that. And, you know, typically, you know, you might wait, um, you, you, you could be waiting days at a minimum, you could be waiting months. And, and that's really the challenge which defence has. And, and that's also across most of the heavy industries, oil and gas, mining, rail, those sorts of industries. So you don't look at the value of the part. What you're looking for is what is the value to not having those other 10 vehicles or vessels running when you need them. Mm-hmm. And that's where expeditionary 3D printing or printing on the front line or near the front line is so, so important. So, and, and that's capability. So really that's what the fence is after is capability and the ability to print at or near the front line. So what we did with the Australian Army is um, we've got trials running with both the Australian Army and the Australian Navy, and we we build a printer, we put it on the back of the Army trucks, and we took it into the bush, the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, with the accessories, um, and then proved that the Army could build parts in, in a simulated combat zone. And, and, is this, and is this just a normal Army officer or somebody specially trained, or how does that look did- as far Yes, so it was a 12-month program. We're about three-quarters of the way through it now. Okay. And um, so we, we actually got 20 soldiers um, and we put them through three months of training to start with. And and typically the soldiers ranging from um, electricians to CNC, fitters to turners to, um, uh, to, to electrical operators, you know, a, quite a variety of soldiers. And they were then tasked with... Um, firstly, identifying parts, um, and and then you know developing the the case study. So you know you get a lot of talk in three D printing, what's your case study, and those sorts of things. Well, once you put this in the hands of the soldiers and sailors, um, they're the ones who come up with the case studies because they have yeah. the problems. They know yeah. what the problem. So this um, hinge that I was talking about was an ongoing issue that no one had solved. Um, but you know once the soldier. Uh, had access to the technology, they were able to design this new part and, and all they had to do is make it a bit stronger. You know, it wasn't terribly difficult, but 
They didn't have the tools to do that previously. Now they've got the tools to be able to fix these problems that they know are in the field. Um, and, and there was a myriad of examples like that for brackets, hinges, um, tools, uh, repair components, and all sorts of other applications like that. So what we did is we, we put the printers on the back of the trucks, and, and the reality is there is very few technologies that would last on the back of an army truck. Now, certainly sure. any sort of laser technology, you know, the optics would not last even getting them out of the base. Yeah. Um, the trucks are very, very rough. But but we proved, like, the, our technology is very robust, so it's one of the advantages. It, it um, It's built on industrial technology that's been proven for, for many, many years. So we put it on the back of the truck and, and took it out into the middle of the bush with the accessories. So we took CNC machines, heat treating, uh, CAD, CAM, computers, the whole works, nice. like design parts, print parts, heat treat parts, machine parts, test them and, and put them onto the vehicles. And we put the processes in place such that the Army could say, yes, this is a qualified part that we can test on our vehicle. And, and that was... That, that's been rapidly put through in the last six months. And the Australian Army now have proven wow. that. That's it, not a it, lot of time. Yeah, it, it can be done and it is being done. Yeah. And, and then on the back of that is next to roll it out with, um, with the uh, US Army and with the, the links into Phillips Federal um, who are opening up areas such as the Rock Island Arsenal and, and those areas. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I, there's, I've done a lot of great work with Phillips. That's, it's great to see them expanding that and you along that ride is, is really neat to see what's going to happen. We talked a little bit about the progression of where things are going. Uh, what are some of also, you know, the materials that are being used uh, most out in the field with this, with this particular technology? Yeah, so so in terms of um, say say the defence work, well, in, in, in general, I'm going to say we focus on the you can almost call them the softer materials. The the process is is not optimised for the harder steels, for instance. So if people say uh, I want to print a harder steel, we'll we'll point them to a, you know a WAM technology or something like that. Sure. Yeah, that that's really where the hardest that's where those WAM technologies really work. For the cold spray technology, we focus on the softer. So you're talking um, the coppers, the aluminiums, aluminium, bronze, um, stainless steel, those sorts of materials. It's not to say that you can't do steel. Interestingly, you can. Um, but um, in terms of where we think the technology is well suited, it's really in those, you know, aluminiums, aluminium, bronze, et cetera. Aluminium bronze is quite an interesting one for defence because it has, you know, very good mechanical properties up there, similar to steel, but is um, highly corrosive resistant, so you can replace your um, your steels with these aluminium bronze materials. So we're, we're quite excited about that. Um, and then moving into the stainless steel, which is which was what we're releasing at the moment. Yeah, that that is exciting. There's a lot of good materials there, and like you're saying, it sounds like there's a niche for the actual technology. Certain technologies are a fit for certain things, but it sounds like you're you're ca- crossing a lot of different uh, spectrums there and getting into the the niches out there that need to be addressed. So uh, that's exciting to hear. I know Byron, it's been wonderful talking to you. Since we have you, is there anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, probably the only other thing is, is you know, what's new for 2021, sort of a bit of a snapshot of yeah. what's happening. So I uh, talked a little bit about repair, so that's happening. The, the other area is uh, we'll be releasing a, a new printer, which we call XBeat, and, and primarily with a target in defence um, and, and those heavy industries. Awesome. 
and, and this will be a fully integrated printer within a shipping container. So currently with Defence, we have a printer and a 10-foot shipping container, which has all the accessories built in. So the next iteration is to put everything in a 20-foot shipping container, which makes it highly transportable, very, very easy to move it anywhere in the world. So, so and, and we can build bigger parts uh, and, and, you know, the, the materials that people are after. So, so that will be quite a, quite, uh, quite a developmental increase for us coming in, in 2021. Yeah, I have to ask, um, you know, anything outside of this world happening with the technology? No, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> I, just, I thought I'd throw something in there just to see if there's anything I could get a sneak peek of. Yeah, well, well, you know, you hear that because you're talking about the pods and what's going on in defense and taking the the actual printer and all of the accessories out into the field and how it needs to be robust to be able to do those things. Uh, I'd like to see what's going to be going up in the uh, up in the uh, outside of the atmosphere into into that realm because there's a, another need that's happening out there to build certain things and. Uh, you know, uh, cold spray seems like a good fit. Am I wrong about that? No, no, it, it's 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 a very interesting fit. The 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 um, the one thing that we are interested in, and and I'm going to say I'm a bit uh, naive in my knowledge of, of outer space, but but there is I understand a lot of helium on the moon, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about um, cold spray is the the best material as a propellant to use is actually helium. So we use air today because it's low cost and cheap and all those sorts of things. You can't use helium because of the expense down here. But sure. if, if we do find a supply of helium in, in outer space, cold spray gets better and better. So that, that's the big opportunity. Um, but I'll, I'll take some, some advice and knowledge from those people who understand those areas better than me. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. It's going to be cool to see what happens with that. Well, Byron, um, where could we, we could all, you also have a website, right? Speed three D. If anybody wants to look into any information about what we've been talking about, yeah, and, yeah just uh, Speed three D. And it, that's S P E E three D. You know, that's I did. I've, I've seen the name for a long time, and I didn't even realize that it didn't have the D after the S P E E. It's just the three D there. So that's really cool. It's it's just incorporated right into the name, and it uh, you think Speed three D right away. It's awesome. Fantastic. Well, good. Nice to have you here, and we look forward to seeing you in the future. Thank you so much for being here, Byron. Great. Thanks for Thank you for listening to the All Digital Additive Manufacturing Podcast. If you would like to help support and be part of our community, take action and smash subscribe, press follow, comment below, or leave a review. And don't forget to share. Thanks for continuing the conversation. This is Adam Penna signing off. See you soon.